All right, church, now we're going to turn with our friend Audrey to to Scripture. Our friend Audrey this morning is going to share with us some words of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. Audrey Bollinger, reading Matthew 18, 23-33. The kingdom of heaven, like a king who wanted to collect all the money his servant owed him. As the king began to do it, the man who owed him when 10,000 bags of gold brought to him. The man was not able to pay, so his master gave him an order. The man, his, his wife, his children, and all he owed had to be sold to pay back what he owed. Then he, the servant fell on his knees in front of him. Give me time, he said, begged. I'll pay everything back. His master felt sorry for him and gave him, but he forgave him. Why he owed and let him go. But the servant went out and found the other servant who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to talk him. Pay back what you owed me, he said. The other servant fell on his knees. Give me time, he begged. I'll pay back. But his servants refused. Instead, he went to the man. He went and had the man thrown into prison. The man would be held there until he could owe what he could pay. Until he could pay back what he owed. The servant saw what had happened. Happened and and were very angry with what, what they happened and told their master everything that ha- had happened. The master called the first servant and who, you evil servant, he said, I forgave you that all what you owe because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have done, had had, have had mercy on the other servant just as I had? Mercy on you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, sheltering in place has meant big changes for all of us. That's true here at the Parsonage as well. Early on in this quarantine, we converted the spare bedroom at the Parsonage into a sort of a recording studio. And we set up tripods and cameras and all sorts of computer equipment. And then for a couple of weeks, I locked myself in that spare bedroom and I, I wrestled with all of that equipment and tried to learn how to use all of this new software. And one of the things I learned in the first couple of weeks of this sheltering in place experience is that it's not easy to make all of these things work together. Even something like making a simple recording can be incredibly difficult. There are a thousand different things that can go wrong. And early on in the lockdown, there was a a day when I was particularly frustrated. I was in the the recording studio in the spare bedroom, and I was trying to make a recording, just a, a simple recording, and it seemed like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. You know, the first time I tried to make this recording, I got the picture just right, just exactly the way that I wanted it, but there was no sound. I'd lost the audio completely. 
And then I finally got the audio working, but I lost the picture. And then I finally got the picture and the sound, but the picture and, and the audio were out of sync so that, so that it looked like I was in some sort of a foreign film that had been dubbed into English. I was talking about Jesus, but it looked like I was warning all of my neighbors that, that Godzilla was coming. And then I got so frustrated and so frazzled after I'd been working on this project for, for so long that I started forgetting my lines. And I messed up take after take after take because I forgot what I was, what I was trying to say. There was one take in particular where I actually I forgot my own name. There was one take where I, I started off by saying, Hello, I'm Pastor the Guy with the Beard, and I'm here at the Preacher House, and I want to talk to you about, about this Jesus person. And finally, after I had been working on this this project for hours, and I do mean I was working on this simple recording for, for hours, finally there was a moment when everything started to come together. I finally got to the point where the picture was just right and it was working with the audio and I remembered all of my lines and I was about 40 seconds away from finally having a good clean take of this recording that I've been trying all day to get and then suddenly just about 40 seconds away from being able to wrap up this project and and put it to bed the door of the spare bedroom opened and my son walked in and he started talking to me and I lost it. I erupted all over him. And, and as I was erupting all over him, as I was losing my temper and just unleashing all of my pent-up frustration and anger on my son, I watched him deflate and, and slowly crumple until finally he slunk out of the spare bedroom. And then I was there left to, to pick up the pieces. And so I, I went back and I looked at the recording that I had made to see if there was anything that, that was worth saving. And that's when I got to do something that, that we hardly ever get to do. That's when I got to see myself in one of my very worst moments. Because when my son walked into the spare bedroom and, and I erupted all over him, all of that recording equipment kept going. And so I got to watch myself losing my temper. I got to see what he saw when he walked into the room. I got to see the anger on my face. I got to hear the anger in my voice. And I have to tell you, I, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't recognize the person I saw on, on the screen. And as I realized what I had done, as I realized that I had completely overreacted to this situation, I knew that there was only one thing for me to do. I knew that I was going to have to apologize. I knew that I was going to have to ask forgiveness. Now, I don't want to brag, but I'm actually pretty good at apologizing. That might be because I have lots of opportunities to do it. I would say that in my, my work as a pastor, I probably end up apologizing to somebody in the congregation. About twice a week, I have to make an apology because I, I made a mistake. I said something that I, I shouldn't have said that offended somebody. I, I missed an opportunity to care for somebody. I didn't call when I should have called. I didn't visit when I, when I should have visited. About twice a week, I get the chance to, to apologize to somebody. And in all my years as a pastor, I've learned how to make a really good apology. I've learned that, that in a good apology, it's important to say the words, I'm sorry. People actually need to hear the words, I'm sorry. And I learned that in a good apology, we don't, we don't make excuses or line up reasons and explanations for the way that we behaved. In a, a good apology, we take accountability and responsibility for our actions. 
And I learned that, that it's helpful and a good apology to acknowledge how the other person is feeling and how, how I made the other person feel. And I learned that in a, a good apology, it's, it's always important to make a good faith effort to do what we can to, to make things right. I've had plenty of opportunities over the years to apologize to people and to ask for forgiveness and to, to offer people forgiveness. And if you've studied the teachings of Jesus, then, then you won't be surprised by any of this. You'll know that, that in the teachings of Jesus, we discover that forgiveness is part of what makes the church possible. It's part of what, what allows us to be the community of people that God dreams we could be. And one of the things we discover when we read the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels is that Jesus is constantly teaching his disciples about the importance of forgiveness. Jesus preaches entire sermons just about the what's and the where's and the why's and the how's of of forgiving one another. Over and over, Jesus says to the disciples, listen, what I'm asking you to do, what I'm calling you to do is, is really difficult. I'm trying to create a community of people who live in a way that nobody in all of human history has ever lived. I'm trying to create a family of people who are bound together, not by, not by bonds of kinship or by blood, but bound together by faith and hope and love. And the only way that this is going to work, the only way the church is going to work is if you learn how to ask for forgiveness and if you learn how to forgive one another. Jesus spends a lot of time teaching about forgiveness, and that's what we find him doing in today's gospel reading. As we we pick up today's gospel reading, we find Jesus in the middle of one of these long teaching sessions about forgiveness. And as we pick up the reading today, one of the disciples raises a hand and asks Jesus a question. One of the disciples says, Jesus, this forgiveness stuff sounds really hard. How many times do you expect us to do this? How many times should I forgive somebody who sins against me? And in response to that question, Jesus tells this story. He says, listen, once there was a king, and this king had a a servant, a high-ranking official, a sort of a a secretary of the treasury type figure. And one day the king discovered that this this high-ranking official had messed up in a really big way. This high-ranking official had made some sort of a mistake that cost the kingdom a huge fortune. Jesus says that this high-ranking official lost somehow lost the kingdom 10,000 talents. Here's the thing you need to know about that number. In the time of Jesus, a talent was the greatest amount of money that you could name. And in the Greek number system, 10,000 was the biggest number that people had a word for. In other words, Jesus is saying this this official lost an amount of money, a fortune that was so big that we literally don't even have words to say how big this fortune was. This official lost the kingdom billions and billions of dollars, enough to bankrupt the kingdom. And when the king found out about the mistake that, that this official had made, the king called the official into his throne room. And then the king lost it. The king erupted all over this official. And he told the official how angry he was, and he he started outlining all of the new forms of torture that he was going to, to invent in order to punish what this official had done. And then suddenly a sort of a miracle happened. As the king began to, to run out of steam, the official fell to his knees before the king, and he started begging for mercy. And the official there at the feet of the king promised something ridiculous and impossible. The official there at the feet of the king promised that he was going to repay every nickel of, of the fortune that he had lost. 
And as the king looked down at this, this official who was begging for mercy, suddenly, suddenly, somehow, the king's heart began to soften. And the king decided in that moment that he was going to relent. And so the king said to the servant, I forgive this debt, I release you, and I set you free. And so the servant got up and he, he walked out of the throne room and his heart was pounding and his palms were sweaty. He couldn't believe that he had just escaped that situation with his life. He couldn't believe that he was getting a, a chance to start all over again after, after what he had done. And just then, just after he walked out of the throne room, the, the official saw a man who owed him money. Now, we don't know why this man owed the uh, official money. Maybe the official was this man's landlord, and, and maybe this man had just lost his job, or, or maybe he'd had an emergency car repair or some kind of an unexpected medical bill and fell behind on his rent. We don't know why this man owed the official money. What we do know is that in that moment, with his heart pounding and his adrenaline racing, the official saw this man who owed him money, and he lost it. He erupted all over this man. The official seized the man and demanded that the man pay back every nickel of what he owed. He said, I will, will throw you in prison until you give me every, every dime that is owed to me. It didn't take long for word to get back to the king about, about what had happened, about what this official had done. And so the king sent out his servants to, to bring the official back into his throne room. And once again, the official was there at the, the feet of the king down on his knees. And the king looked down at him and said, I need you to explain something to me. He said, how is it that after I forgave this enormous and impossible debt to you, you turned around and threatened someone who owed you such a small amount of money? After I showed you such mercy, the king said, shouldn't you, shouldn't you all also have found it within yourself to forgive. And when he tells this story, Jesus is, is helping his disciples to understand that the question, how many times should I forgive somebody, is exactly the wrong question for us to ask. Now, there's a theologian who has said that, that somebody who is counting down their forgiveness hasn't truly forgiven at all. Instead, that person is just biding their time. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples, how many times should I forgive is, is the wrong question to ask. Instead, in that moment when our adrenaline is racing and we see red and we're about to erupt all over somebody, the question instead that we ought to ask is, how many times do I want God to forgive me? How many times has God already forgiven me? How do I want God to speak to me when I stand before the judgment throne? If we can remember to ask that question, Jesus says, if we can remember that God, God is a fountain of forgiveness overflowing into this world, overflowing, spilling all over us each and every day of our lives, then we will know, then we will know what to do in that moment. Well, I knew what to do when I saw my face on that computer screen, when I saw, saw what I had done in front of my son. I knew that I had to go and find him and I needed to ask for his forgiveness. And so I went and I, I tracked him down and I found him where he was all sort of curled up into a ball. And then I, I did what I do when I do wrong. I apologized. I said, Daniel, I am so sorry. I said, I absolutely overreacted when you walked into the room. And I need you to know that what happened was, was not about you. It was about, about me and the frustration and anxiety that I've been feeling. 
And I know that when I lost my temper, that must have been scary for you, and it must have made you feel as if, as if the project that I was working on is more important to me than you are. And I said, I want you to know that, that that's not true. I want you to know that, that I love you, and you are more important to me than any recording, more important to me than, than any of the work I need to do. I said, I am so sorry for the way that I reacted, and I, I want you to know that I love you, and I want you to know that, that I am, I'm going to try to make this up to you. Tell me, how, how can I make things right? I apologized to my son, and then, and then a sort of miracle happened. And my son offered me forgiveness, and then he explained to me why he had walked into the room in the first place. Now, he told me that he had, had come into that room because he wanted to see if I was ready to take a break. You know, my family and I at that point had been sheltering in place together for, for something like two weeks. But in those two weeks, my family had hardly seen me because I was locked up in this room with all of this recording equipment, working on projects late into the night. And my son knew how hard I had been working, and he saw that it was a beautiful, sunny day. And so he came into that room to see if I was ready to take a break, if I maybe wanted to take a walk with him around the neighborhood. And so that's what we did. I turned off all of that equipment. I left that project unfinished, and my son and I took a, a walk around the neighborhood. And we got to reconnect with each other, and we got to reconcile with one another. And the thing is, I've got a story just like that from almost every day of the last few weeks. You know, the Peterses are discovering that it takes a lot of forgiveness just to get through an ordinary day right now. And that's okay. Because we also know that there is abundant forgiveness in God who is with us. And we know that God offers us more than enough forgiveness to get through not just a day or a week, but every season of our lives. We know that in God we find all the forgiveness we need for ourselves and for one another. And we know that with the grace of God and with forgiveness for one another, we're going to, we're going to make our way through all of this. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would soften our hearts and teach us how to show grace to one another. God, we pray that in our worst and most anxious and angry moments, we would think about the mercy that you have shown us and that we would become fountains of mercy pouring out on one another. God, make us patient. God, make us kind. And God, make us forgiving on the days when we are none of those things. In Jesus, who forgives everything, we pray. Amen.